this is Easter. It is our most celebrated service of the year. You know, I don't. I can't say that it's the most important one. I feel like every time we gather in the Lord's house, that is the most important time at that time. I, I look forward to every Sunday and every Wednesday and every other opportunity because to me this is an event that I get to be with my friends and my family, but more so I get to be in a corporate place in the presence of God. And I, and I just see so many awesome, really cool things happen when we get together. Now, I, I see things like that happen when we're not all together. But when we're together, there's something special about being able to be all together like this and see God do miraculous things. And I believe he's going to do those things here today. I think that, that people are, maybe even as I'm speaking or throughout this music, at some point in the service, people that are going to be miraculously healed, people that are going to be touched and uh, eyes are going to become open and hearts are, are going to be open and questions that you've been asking, you may hear God's voice here and speak to you today. You may receive a revelation to something that you've been trying to receive. So, so many really cool things are going to happen in a setting like this and so I enjoy getting together. But this is Easter Sunday and this is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And you know why we celebrate that? Because he's the only one who did it. Nobody else has bragging rights like Jesus. He's the only one who did it. And he is the first fruits, as Pastor Kyle said a little while ago. He led by example. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But he led us by example in the fact that, that God gave him the power to rise from the dead on the third day. And this is the time of the year that we celebrate that. You know, a couple of years ago, a few of us were able to go to, to Israel and went to the Holy Land. And we actually went to the place of the crucifixion and it's such a special place there outside the city that they built a bus barn it almost covers it you know i mean this is, so you say well what well, that doesn't sound right well it kind of seems sacrilegious to us too the point being that there's a lot of people that don't consider that a sacred hill at all it was just simply a place where they killed criminals but jesus wasn't a criminal in fact you know there today they have a bus barn built there and you have to stand up on this this landing pad this this um parking lot, if you will, and kind of look over and take pictures to where you can actually see the skull in the rocks. And you would think to yourself, why would they ever desecrate this holy area? But to a lot of people, it's not a holy area. It's just another rocky hill. It's just another place that was up high enough so that if they crucified people, everybody all around could see it. It was a hill of shame. It was a, it was a terrible, rugged place, just a, 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 a place of humiliation. There wasn't anything good about it. In fact, I'm thinking that maybe some of the folks that built the bus barn there is just trying to erase the memory of what happened there so many times over the years. But for all of us, it's a sacred place because we know on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And we love that cross because that is where our lives were changed. And so we celebrate the death, but we celebrate the life and the resurrection of the only one who ever accomplished that task. Today we're starting a new series. It's called Reach Be the Difference. And if you've been around here over the last several weeks, you know that we had just finished one up a few weeks ago where we were talking about the mission and the purpose statement of our church. We're here at Trinity to build friendships and find God. And, and not necessarily in that order, but we have found over the years that if we build friendships, we get an opportunity to teach people about God. And so that's why we say it that way. But there's a way that we do that. We call them the five E's. And we we, we talked about that over the last several weeks about how that we're going to use those five 
five E's to exalt and educate and equip and all these kinds of things that we're going to be doing. But now we want to take it a step further where we say, well, we're here to build friendships. We know we're, we're, we're building friendships and relationships with people so we have an opportunity to minister to them. Uh, we understand that we do that by way of the five E's. But now, how are we going to put feet on those E's? And we say the way we do that is by being, reaching out and being the difference. And so we're, we're trying to instill in all of our family here at Trinity and all of you that decide to make this your home, we want to instill in you that we are not just here to come and spectate and listen to awesome worship. We're not just here uh, to listen to messages, but we are at this place to receive the equipping and the empowering so that we can go out of here and be the difference in our world. We're reaching out and we're making a difference in our world. And so today, we want to talk about the first part of that reach. And today, we're going to talk about how that our message, how that the, the, the message of the church is relevant. It is relevant. So get your pen and your, and your paper or your bulletin and flip it over or maybe on your phone or your iPad or however you want to keep up with us this morning. But we want you to to follow along with us today, there'll be some things that you'll be able to jot down so that you can remember at different and uh, at various aspects of this message today if you want to do so. We're going we're gonna to focus on reaching out to people in love by being relevant to their life and their needs. Because the church and its true message have always been relevant. Now, if you study church history, you'll know there were times that, that, that people got off track. And sometimes when they got off track, their messages were not relevant. Uh, if you study that throughout church history, you find times where, where the Christians could have, were, were pretty, uh, where they, people that call themselves Christians at certain times throughout the years were not very nice. And they uh, tried to, to force people into Christianity. And many people were killed even as a result of these holy crusades. And so Christianity had kind of a bad name there for a while. But I'm saying to you that people who understand the true message of the cross know that the church and its message have always been relevant. Never goes out of style. And this morning I'm going to show you why that is. I'm going to show you how it is that a message 2,000 years old is still just as fresh and relevant and applicable today as it was then. Are you ready? Let me explain this to you. First of all, you need to understand what the word relevant means. If something is relevant, it means that it is important or it is useful or it is significant. Did you get that? It's important or it's useful or it is significant. And if it qualifies per those three things, then we call that something that is of relevance. If the church and its purpose are not important or useful or significant, then why would anyone waste their time attending it? Why would anybody waste their money investing in it or working to promote it? I mean, if it weren't relevant, why would you be here today? There's a lot of things outside of this building that God created that are fun to do. You could be fishing. You could be out at the lake. I mean, it's a gorgeous day out there today. There's a lot of people that claim to be Christians that aren't in his house because they say the way they worship him is by getting out in a boat somewhere and fishing and praising. But I've seen a lot of folk don't praise God in a boat. 
I mean, they say they're just communing with God, but I don't see them corporately worshiping in a boat. I, I've been fishing lots of times, and I never saw us gather up and hold hands, pray, sing worship songs, take offerings. I've never seen that happen in a boat. I saw a lot of excitement and zeal happen in a boat. I got excited in the boat one time. There was about me and Dad and, and Papa and, and, and Timmy, my cousin Timmy, when he was little, we decided to take him in a boat that was made for three. Somebody made the mistake. I'm not sure whether it was Papa or Dad, but somebody put a hook on Timmy's line. And the first place Timmy hung it up was in me. You know, because Papa got one into the boat, Dad got one in, and I was in the middle, right? And Timmy was with me. Doing this with that hook on the end. Have you ever played dodgeball with a hook? I'm screaming and crying. I mean, there's emotional things that can happen in a boat. When one gets away, when the big one gets away, I've never heard somebody say, Oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Let's just take a moment and worship God. A lot of emotional things that happen in a boat, but I've never been able to equate it to what happens in a worship setting. But the church is relevant. If our message wasn't relevant, then you might as well be out there doing something that's fun. You might as well be out there doing You say, are you saying this ain't fun? No, this is fun to me. But there's a lot of people that do not consider it to be. But I am here to say today that what the church, the true church, the real church is telling people is relevant. It is significant. It is important. It is useful. Because what we have in our possession is called the good news. I love the way that the gospel is presented and told us different translations call it the gospel, but the modern translations call it the good. This is how it translates to the good news. I love the fact that we know the good news. And the thing about it is we don't, we don't have a monopoly on this. It's not something we're trying to exclusively keep to ourselves. In fact, sometimes when you know a really cool secret and you got the advantage on somebody, you don't want anybody to know. But the opposite is that of the church. We know what is real and right and, and we know what is going to save people's life. And we aren't trying to keep it to ourselves. We're trying to share it with the whole world because it is relevant. The good news is relevant. You say, well, what's the good news? The good news is this. Jesus was born. He was born to a virgin. First time it ever happened, last time it ever happened. Never happened before, will never happen again. Already made him special. I mean real special. He is the son of God. Lives and dies on this planet, lives like you, understood the things you understand, went through the very same things you go through, lived a life of holiness though, where when you are tempted in sin, he never did. Thereby he was the only one that could be the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. Because up until his time, sacrifices were being offered through poor little animals because they were the only things pure enough to bear the sins until Jesus came. At which point he was so pure that he could bear the sins of all mankind, both in his time and everyone before him and everyone who would come after him. Something special about this Jesus. I'm telling you good news right now. 
He lived, lived a sinless life. They crucified him on a cross. He allowed it because he knew it had to happen. But he told the fellows that hang around with him, I'll be back in about three days. And he did it. He came back from the dead, was seen of more than 500 people. So there was all kinds of proof. Wasn't like just somebody saw it and made it up. But 500 people saw him over a period of time. Several days, maybe even weeks. People saw him before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Where he is at right now, making intercession for you. That means every time you pray, he goes to the Father on your behalf and says, Hey, i got to bring you something about my servant and my friend so-and-so. The scripture says that one of these days, and it won't be long because of the scripture, which has also given us the signs of the future so we know when the return is about to happen. We know that before very long, all of this is going to be over, and Jesus is going to return for his bride, the church. And we're going with him to what I'm really excited about, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I like Thanksgiving. Somebody say amen. But I think the marriage supper is going to blow it away. You know what I love about the marriage supper of the Lamb? We're going to eat whatever we want and not gain a pound. Nobody's going to sit around taking insulin shots after they get done. I mean, it's going to be over. And these bodies are going to be glorified. We're going to understand what it means to have a body that's glorified, that we sing about Jesus. He is glorified in that glorified body. You're going to have a glorified body one of these days. That's good news. And then after the millennial, or after the marriage supper, we're going to come back with Jesus and watch him defeat every evil thing on this planet and live on this planet with him and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. I think that's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to live in northwest Arkansas when the curse is lifted. I like it now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when your eyes aren't running and your nose isn't sniffing this time of year? Somebody say, praise the Lord, there won't be a chicken house anywhere in northwest Arkansas in the millennial reign. So don't get your dander up. It's going to be all right. And then comes the new heavens and the new earth. Those of us who belong to Jesus are going to spend eternity with Jesus and our Father, and the Holy Spirit. That is the gospel. That right there is what the Bible calls the good news. Who do you know that doesn't need to hear that? Who do you know that wouldn't accept that in their right mind? Well, pastor, there's a lot of people that don't want to be Christians. They don't want to even hear me talk about it. No, there's a lot of people that don't want to be hit over the head with Bibles. There's a lot of people that don't want to be preached at. There's a lot of people that don't want to be judged and condemned. But I don't know of anybody that don't want to know about an eternity where they live with no pain, no death, no sorrow, no suffering. Who doesn't want to go there? I'm telling you that the gospel message, the good news is relevant. It is important, it is useful, and it is significant. Romans chapter 1, starting verse 14, Paul writes, he says, I have an obligation to those who are civilized and those who aren't. If you're here with somebody civilized, say amen. If you're not, don't say nothing. 
Folks saying, this guy next to me is not. Paul said, whether they're civilized or uncivilized, I have an obligation. I have an obligation to those who are wise and those who aren't. That's why I'm eager to tell you who live in Rome the good news also. I'm not ashamed of the good news. It's God's power to save everyone who believes. Jews first and Greeks as well. Oh, Paul, you just opened up something there that day. You just said that this good news is not just to the Jews, but now it's for all of us. Praise God for all of our Jewish buddies, but how many in this room are not Jewish? You get to go to heaven now too. You became God's chosen. First he reached out to the Jewish his own and then he opened up the gospel to any person in the world with one stipulation that they would just believe. It's good news. It's relevant. The world needs to hear this. I'm convinced they want to hear it. The scripture said that the good news is powerful. That's what he said. It is God's power to save everyone who believes. Did you you hear what he just said? That the good news is so powerful that when it is believed upon, it will actually save the person who believes. That's relevant. Airbags in cars are relevant, aren't they? Huh? Life jackets in boats are relevant. You can't swim. It's the first thing you look for when you get in the boat. You don't care whether the boat will run. You don't care where the oars are. You don't care about the seat. You want to know where's the life jacket. The gospel message is relevant. And all of us that are receiving this message are wrapping up in it. We're getting it on. We're clothing ourselves in the righteousness of this message. Because we don't want to be lost. It's important. It's useful. It's significant. I want to know if there's anything that is more relevant than that news. Can you find any news on TV that's more relevant than that? Have you ever heard anything in your life that was more relevant than what I just shared with you? So I want to show you very quickly. I want to walk you down a road real quick for those that aren't so sure. Look at this. Number one, write this down. His cross, he's speaking about Jesus now. His cross is relevant. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message about the cross is nonsense to those who are being destroyed. But it is God's power. There it is again. It is God's power to those of us who are being saved. Why? Because the cross is where all of our sins were transferred upon Jesus. Until then you had to carry your own sins. Until then you had to make sure that you satisfied the law. How much of a drag, I've often thought about how big of a drag would it have been to live in the time that you were that you had to obey the law. You said, well, we still have to obey the law. Well, I understand that. But not the way those people had to. Since you live in the dispensation of grace, you still have to adhere to the laws of your land. But every time you say a bad word, you don't have to run out and kill a lamb. Or start trying to 
buy a pigeon somewhere or a turtle dove and run down to the church. It's awesome to get to live in this day and time where that simply the Holy Spirit lives in us and says, that was a bad word. And you say, oh, yes, it was. And you don't have to find your wife and kids and say, let's run down and buy a bullock. We got to get down to the church and cut his throat. I said a bad word. I'm not trying to make funny or light. I'm saying it would have been a drag to live like that. I'm saying I like living at this time where that because of the cross and all of my sins being transferred upon the lamb that was sacrificed on the cross, I don't have to do that anymore. That's pretty relevant to me. To me, that's significant. That's useful news. That's that's important stuff. The cross. There's no other way that a person can be saved than by believing upon the lamb who was on the cross. You can't be saved if you're not willing to die to yourself. Jesus the Lamb said that if you want to be his disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your own cross, and follow him. And where he goes is not always easy to go. It's not easy to be a believer. That's why a lot of people can't do it. It's a lot of why a lot of people don't choose to do it. You see, well, the, the, the news is good. The, it's good news. It's relevant. It matters. Everybody would want this. Yeah, but not everybody wants to die to themselves in order to receive it. There is where it, what we call the stumbling block. Jesus, the stumbling block to those who, when presented with the options, you can have all of this good news If you will simply die to yourself, that's where a lot of people say, hey, 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 that's asking a little too much. I'll take all that, but I'll stay in charge. And Jesus says, you can't know where I'm going and you can't go where I'm going unless I'm in charge. So you'll have to die to yourself. The cross is where all of that took place. I got to tell you all, I got to tell you all, there's a part of me that detests the cross. Some people love the cross. There's a part of me that detests the cross. I hate what the cross did to Jesus. I've always been that guy. I understand the relevance and the necessity of the cross. and, And I understand all of that. But I've always been the guy that said, you know what? Why don't somebody make a necklace with an empty tomb on it? Let's wear that instead of a cross. Let's wear an empty tomb. My Savior lives. Death tried to kill him. Satan tried to humiliate him, tried to shame him, tried to make him look bad. But guess what? I remember an empty tomb. But the cross is still relevant. It's still important. It's useful. It's significant. We had to have what happened on the cross. It had to be. Number two, his death was relevant. 1 Corinthians 6.14 said, God will raise us from death by the same power that he used when he raised our Lord to life. I'm going to tell you something. That's what's so significant about the death. The death is relevant. Why? Here's what's so cool about it. Anybody here play basketball? You know, nobody, nobody play ball. I'm the only one to ever play basketball in this whole building. That's hard for me to believe. I know baseball is like the number one, you know, 
sport in America or whatever, and there's more fans for football, but, but some of us like basketball. Come on, don't be mean to us as basketball players. How many people like basketball? If you played basketball very much, you know that if anybody ever hits a three-pointer off the glass, you got to call it. You still get points in the game, but not respect. The guy that shoots one and he banks it off the glass from out about half court and then struts around like he did it on purpose, everybody's like, you know you're lucky, you a dog. That was a dog shot. You're not going to try, you know, you, don't, you only try that one in the game of horse when you're up by four letters. Come on now. That was a dog. So when you find somebody that can park out there at the three-point line and bank about eight out of ten off the glass, you got somebody that can shoot the rock a little bit. You know what I'm saying? When it came to the death of Jesus, Jesus called his death off the glass. He told the guys, we're going to Jerusalem. And when I get there, the Son of Man's going to be betrayed. And they're going to take me, and they're going to beat me, and they're going to mock me, and they're going to crucify me. Oh, Lord, no, surely, yep, it's going to happen, fellas. You just hide and watch, which they did. But then he said, what's going to happen is they'll crucify me, then they'll put me in the ground. But hang on, boys, don't despair, because on the third day, I'll rise again. And he did. He called it off the glass. It made the death relevant. Everybody could die. Everybody up to that point had died and everybody since has died. And all of us until he comes back for us, if he doesn't come pretty soon, we're all going to die. Everybody can die, but nobody ever got back up unless God raised them. You say, what about the ones that Jesus raised from the dead? Well, they received a miraculous touch. He did a miracle. But for Jesus, he's in a tomb by himself in the dark. Gone and breathless and cold for three days. Nobody's going in there to pray for him. No miracle has taken place that anybody can watch. But on the third day, something in him clicked and said, time to get up. And angels came and rolled the stone away because there wasn't, there wasn't nobody else to do it. Everybody on the outside was trying to make sure he couldn't get out even though they didn't believe in him. Isn't that crazy? How that people that don't believe in Jesus fight so hard to make sure nobody else does? No amount of money or authority or power on this earth could ever grant a human the ability to get up out of their grave. But God raised Jesus from the dead for a reason. To show us that he has the power to raise us from the dead too. That anybody that would believe upon him someday going to be raised up from the dead too. In the twinkling of an eye, the scripture says, someday we're going to be changed from mortality to immortality. That makes his death relevant. And number three, his resurrection is relevant. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus then said, I'm the one who raises the dead to life. 
And everyone who has faith in me will live even if they die. What's he saying? If I put my faith in him, if I trust him with my all, if I'll die to myself, I'm going to live for him and with him forever. That's relevant. How many of y'all would agree with me that this news that I'm presenting this morning is important, is useful, is significant? This good news is relevant. This is a message that's worthy of sacrifice. Whatever it takes to get this message out, it's worth it. Because we don't know of anybody that doesn't need to know this information. And I'll tell you something. It'll be worth the cost, no matter how costly that may be, to make sure that the world hears this message. And so we give once we know. That's why when a minute ago when I said it's time to take the offering, a few people clapped in this room because they have parted with their money a long time ago. They are the wealthiest people in this room. The people who clapped are the ones that have the most because they've given everything to God and now everything that he has is at their disposal. So they get excited about opportunities to give because they know that this message is relevant and they want to be a part of investing in this kingdom. So once we receive this news for ourselves, we, we enthusiastically work to make sure that other people have it at their disposal. What does it require of the church, any church, in order to get this message out? Well, in order to have the opportunity to share it with people that aren't coming regularly already, the facilities have to be adequate, the ministries have to be top-notch, the staff has to be the best. And that costs the church money, and it costs the people time, and it costs them their talents to get the message out. But the message is relevant. Receive it and then get to work promoting it. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. There's no hidden agenda here. Nobody's getting rich around here doing ministry. Money and resources are not being wasted on frivolous things. Everything is carefully calculated for the purpose of getting out the good news. We're trying to reach out to the world. We're trying to reach and be the difference. We're making a difference individually too. And we're doing it by being relevant to our generation and to our culture. I want to talk about you for just a couple of minutes. I want you to understand something. Every person in this room, I'm talking to you. You say, well, he's not talking to me. He's talking to everybody else. I'm talking to you. I want every person in this room to understand something about your life and your purpose. Because we all have a purpose and reason for being on this planet right now. I mean right now. The reason you weren't born in any other period of history is because you're supposed to be here now. It's not a mistake. Your life and your purpose are relevant. What does relevant mean? It means that your life and your purpose are important, useful, and significant. You are relevant to your world. Let me break that down real quick. First of all, you're important. You matter to God. So much so that he was willing to let his own firstborn son die for you. You're pretty important. One little eight-year-old second grader was sitting in class and his teacher said, Willie... Name one important thing that we didn't have on this planet 10 years ago. 
And he said, me. It's true. Every one of us is important. We are not just here randomly. We are not just the dust of some cosmic explosion. We did not just crawl up out of ooze and grow fins that one day became legs. But we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. Not physically. Someday maybe physically. But all of these ways we were created in His image. Why? Because God so longed to have a personal relationship that he created you. See, he had angels that praised him all the time. They praised him because it was their job. That's what they were created to do. He created somebody that could do it of their own volition. So he put within every human being free choice and said to you, you're important, I love you, I want you to love me, but do it of your own volition. And every person that has done that has been so much bettered for it. The reason God gave us that opportunity is because we are Important to him. Secondly, you're useful. Your usefulness is without question. I, I read a story about a guy named Irving S. Olds, who was the chairman of U.S. Steel Corporation many years ago. And he arrived at a stockholders meeting one time and he was confronted by a woman who said, Exactly who are you and what do you do? Well, he was the chairman. He didn't even bat an eye. He said, I'm your chairman. And he said, Of course, you know the duties of the chairman. He said, That's somebody who is roughly the equivalent of parsley on a platter of fish. There's humility in that, but the good news is we are much more useful than parsley on the platter of a fish. Your talents and your abilities are specifically in you, unlike anyone else of the seven billion of us on this planet. Nobody else is like you. You know why nobody can do what you can do? Because nobody else is like you. Nobody has your gifts, nobody has your abilities, nobody has your mind, nobody has your experiences, even if they've been bad experiences, even if they were rough. Nobody has your background, nobody has your upbringing. Nobody is wired the way you are. Can't nobody do what you only can do. You are useful, you're relevant. And lastly, you're significant. I finish with this story. I don't want to read to you, but I, I but I, I I want you to hear this. It's about a missionary who was in Paraguay. And he wrote, he says, While I was serving in Paraguay, a Maca Indian named Rafael came to sit on my porch. He said, I was eating and I went out to see what he wanted. And he responded and spoke to me. And I asked what I could do for him, but the answer was the same. And he said, in his language, I understood what he was saying, but I didn't understand its significance. He was saying to me, I don't want anything. I have just come near. So he said, later, I shared that incident with a local veteran missionary. And he explained to me that that was Raphael's way of honoring me. He really didn't want anything. He just wanted to sit on my porch. He found satisfaction and pleasure just by being near me. There are people in your life that come to sit on your front porch. And they don't want anything. They just want to hang around with you. Because you're significant. And when you are genuine, 
And when you're willing to reach out to other people, you will be so significant to them that they will seek you out so that they can be near you. Look at the life of Jesus. He couldn't get away from the crowds. You say, well, they hated him. They crucified him. No, not all of them. There was a lot of people out around the Sea of Galilee that loved Jesus. Because every time he showed up, they got a free dinner. Mama got healed. Somebody got their blind eyes opened up. Deaf ears were opened. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd. If there wasn't one already, they, they gathered up. He couldn't go any place without the crowd gathering. Paparazzi followed him everywhere around the Sea of Galilee. The pictures didn't last. That's why we don't have any today. Too old. Everywhere he went, people just wanted to hang around on his front porch and be near him. Beneficial. It's beneficial being around somebody that's significant. The gospel message is relevant because it's important, it's useful, and it's significant. You are relevant for the same three reasons. When we put that together, I'm telling you, we got a dynamo now on our hands. When that message, that good news gets in your spirit and you get excited about it and you get ready to do something with it, I'm telling you now God says, yes, they got it. You can make a difference. Reach out and be the difference. Irrelevant. You'll come back next week, I'll tell you what he is. I want you to bow your heads, though, for just a moment. Close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I believe in you because I know that your message is relevant. There are people in this room that are at various places within this system. There are people here today who have been a part of the kingdom of God for a long, long time. Those people are here today to be discipled and to be equipped to continue doing what they're doing. That, that, means, that, that is what a lot of you are here doing today. You are being equipped to be effective then there are other people that are in this system there are some who are have not been in the faith quite as long and they're seeking direction they're just trying to figure out how they fit into the kingdom of God what it is that they're supposed to do so they're here today to receive education There are others who are here today who are finding out for the first time that they are relevant, that their message is relevant, that they could be a part of a kingdom so much bigger than the little one of themselves that they have tried to uphold, that they could be a part of something that really matters, a movement, a huge community of people representing people on every continent, every language and race on this planet there are those today that are saying pastor I don't belong to the kingdom of God I've just been trying to propagate my own kingdom I've been doing my own thing I'm not a part of the kingdom of God I've never 
heard it this way. I, I, of course I want to make a difference. I, mean, I want my life to make a difference, obviously. I want, I want to have purpose and significance. I want to be important. I want to be useful. Of course. Now you're saying that what I have to offer is relevant and the message that the church offers is relevant and that if I become a part of this family, I can, I can also be a part of that message. Obviously, I want to do that. our prayer team for this but today uh, forgive me for this prayer team I just want to give you a break I want to ask if our staff and our deacons I want I just I'm just I don't know why because I didn't even intend to go this way but I'm feeling led I want our, our staff and our deacons if they would join me if you're in, within the sound of my voice I know some of them are working out in different places but if you're in the room or close enough that you can hear me I want our staff and deacons to come and stand across the front here any of them that can hear me Spread out there, fellas, if you would. These fellas can't save you. They can't save you. But at one point in their life, they were where you are. And they were at a crossroads, a place of decision. And they remember how they got from where they are to where they are today. They remember that they simply prayed a prayer. They know that prayer is a simple prayer. But they remember what that meant. They, they remember and they'll never forget the way their life changed after they prayed that prayer and meant it. So I've asked them if they would come up here because I want them to help you pray that prayer today. Some of you are about to pray this prayer for the first time in your life. Others of you have wandered away from the Lord. You still hear His voice from time to time. You, you love Him kind of at a distance. But man, how you wish that your heart would burn. You wish for the zeal that you used to have. You wish it would come back. If, if you're in one of those categories, I'm opening up these altars to you today. And Neil's going to just lead us here for a minute. We're just going to kind of slow everything down and ask everybody to be very respectful and prayerful. If you're a believer, pray for someone. Because this, there is in this room, there are several people right now who have been confronted lovingly by this gospel, this good news today. And the Holy Spirit is just got his hand wrapped right around their heart and it's just tugging and they're so uncomfortable right now. It's called conviction and I want those of you that know Jesus to be praying because you remember when that was your day. Pray for them right now. Would you pray, believers, would you pray for those people that God will give them the strength and the encouragement and the courage to step out? Pastor, why do we got to step out? Why can't we pray right in our seat? Well, you could. But I keep reading in my Bible about how that they made a public profession of their faith. They didn't just sign a card. They didn't just walk an aisle. They didn't just shake a hand. But they stood up for Jesus. And they let the world see them. So I don't want you to be ashamed. If you're ashamed of him, he, he has no other choice but to be ashamed of you. And if I'm talking to you today and you say, I want to become a part of the kingdom of God, I want to be a part of, I want to be a difference maker. I want to be one of these people that's reaching out and making a difference. I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart. 
All over this room, people are bowed. They're bowed and they're praying. No one's looking except just me and these guys in the front. But if that's you, I want very quickly, have the courage, very quickly, stand to your feet right now. Just stand up. See, this is my word, man. I, I know why I'm here today. I know why I'm here. It is just open. My eyes have just become open. The light has come on. I know why I'm here. Come on, come on, come on. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. This is your day. This is the most awesome thing that you've ever done right now. This is the most important decision you will ever make in life. It's more important than who you'll marry. It's more important than the houses and the cars you'll buy. It's more important than any decision you'll ever make. This one right now because it's the only one that matters for all of eternity. All of the other things won't matter in a hundred years. But this will matter millions of years from now. This one will matter. This is relevant this is important. This is useful. This is significant. Can you stand? There's a couple of people standing already, and I applaud them for their bravery, but who else will stand with these? Who else will stand and say, this is my word today, and I'm not going to let this opportunity get away from me. I'm going to take a stand for Jesus, and I'm going to ask Him to come into my heart and to change me, because I need to die to me. I need to die to me. I can't keep living to me. I've got to die to me and let Jesus live. Who else? I see the folks standing. If you're standing, just come. Just go ahead and start coming on down. You don't. I don't want to make you stand there anymore because you're ready. I know because I I've been there. I remember walking that aisle, and I was so ready. I was like, Pastor, just be quiet and let me go. Just let me walk. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Church, pray because there's others. I'm not a fortune teller, but I walk in the Spirit sometimes. And I don't, I'm, no, I'm no more worthy than you. But for whatever reason, God sometimes shows me things. And He's showing me right now. There are three more people. I'm not manipulating. I'm not. Nobody's whispering something in my ear. I'm not going to get a raise. But I'm telling you, there are three more people right now that are supposed to be responding to this word. Come on, come on, who are you? Who are you? This is your day. This is your day. Don't let this opportunity get away from you. Don't let this chance pass you by. This could be your spiritual birthday right here on Easter 2014. You'll never forget it. There's two more. There's two more. And you're so uncomfortable right now. Oh, you're just miserable. You say, if this man shuts up, I'll never come back here again. I can't stand it. But if you'll respond right now, it'll change your life. You'll love the house of God. You'll love his presence. I love your presence, Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're that last one. You're the last one. There's just one left, and you're the you know who you are. You're the last one. Are you coming? You're the last one. We're waiting on you. The Holy Spirit is waiting on you. Everything's at a standstill right now. We're waiting on you. God just can't leave you alone because you're too important to Him. 
You're too useful. You're too significant. He can't leave you alone. He won't let me leave you alone. You've got to respond. You're the last one. You want me to be more more specific? I, 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 I just, I'm struggling. I'm struggling, but I'm struggling with you, Dad. You're afraid what your kids will think. You've got too much pride. You're afraid to move, but the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart, but you're afraid of what your kids might think. But you're the one. You're the last one. You're the one we're waiting on. Last time I'll ask. It's not too late though. We're still here. You say, oh, it's over now. Everybody's leaving. It's too, it's too late. No, it's not. You're that one. We're still waiting on you. But this is it. This is the last opportunity. for your word today I know how insignificant that I am in myself and how minute how unimportant and how useless I am but God you don't see that at all thank you for seeing something in me thank you for seeing something in all of us valuable enough to die for valuable enough to give up everything for I thank you God for the bravery and the courage of these that walk this aisle today to give their heart to you or to recommit their life to you God I know how difficult that is and I thank you for their courage and I pray this prayer for them oh God that you'll walk with them and they won't hear, they won't listen to the voice of the enemy that'll try to steal the seed away, but that they'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that's now presiding and residing in them. They'll hear the call to pray. They'll hear the call to get in your word and to stay in your house and seek out fellowship and accountability. Oh God, that they'll they'll heed that voice, that that leading of the Holy Spirit and I pray that you'd fill them with power Lord we're not done I pray oh God that you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit fill them with power and the evidence of the Holy Spirit so that they'll be able to stand for you in the tough times that come help them to have such a yearning for a subsequent experience more beyond beyond just this today but they'll seek you out and they'll find the, 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 the opportunities Lord to serve you and God that they'll follow you in water baptism and communion that they'll get in their, in their Bible and they'll stay in fellowship encourage them I pray Lord touch them Lord, I know you're proud because the scripture says that whenever just one 
comes to know you, all of heaven celebrates that soul coming home. Thank you, Jesus. God, today we want to be a part of that celebration all across this church. If you're thankful for these that made a commitment to serve Jesus today, I want you to put your hands together and just tell them how proud you are.